Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another edition of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Michael Rand and Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Andrew. It's Lions Week. It's no more mm. trade No more trade deadline talk. It was a quiet trade deadline. Did you guys enjoy that? That was the big Tuesday event. There was nothing else going on Tuesday. <laughs> well, nothing <laughs> yeah. else has been finalized. It's true. It's about <laughs> as much as happened in both. So. Uh, no. nothing, yeah, nothing happened with the trade deadline. The Vikings didn't move anybody. Kyle Rudolph's still here. Anthony Harris is still here. Um, all the names, all the, Riley Reef is still here. Um, ben, I guess just getting a reaction before we get into Sunday's game against the Lions and all the storylines there with Everson Griffin, Adrian Peterson returning. Um, the current Vikings, are you surprised at all that they're all still here? Or uh, did you expect kind of status quo through Tuesday? I, I kind of expected status quo. I don't think it was for lack of effort from my, from what I've, the sense I've gotten is that they were certainly trying, but as we've talked about, some of the dynamics this year make that difficult when you have teams saying, I don't, know that I want to take a guy in when he can't be in here for a week because of all the COVID tests and money is tight for everybody. The salary cap's probably going down. Um, Yeah, I think they tried. I just, I don't think that it was going to be a market where it was going to be terribly easy to move people. Now I I did, I tweeted this out the other day. They, they did kick the tires, at least on Will Parks, the safety from the Eagles that people had, you know, kind of talked about being a, a potential trade candidate. They were one of a couple of teams that sounded like they did that. It sounded fairly preliminary, but they they were interested in him in free agency, and he'll be a free agent again after this year. So it's worth keeping that name in mind. But yeah, I, I don't think it was a unilateral fire sale. And I'd heard you know guys like Adam Thielen, they had decided fairly early on we're not moving him. So. Yeah, I think a lot of it was the kind of the approach we talked about, where it's if it's people that they don't see being here after this year anyway, try to get something for them now. And you, know, you can make that effort, but it's tougher to do it, I think, in this climate than it probably normally would be. Yeah, and Mike, it's not like they had – I mean, Yanni Kangakwe was the one guy, I think, at the top of the list for them to sell. And, and then it might be, what, Kyle Rudolph? If an Adam Thielen, if they were willing to move him, but as Ben said, it didn't sound like they were even listening to many offers uh, if, if people were making them. Yeah, like we've talked about on different <clears throat> podcasts, I just don't think they had a lot of assets to to trade. And if you know whatever they could have gotten for, you know, a Riley Reef or a Anthony Harris as a as a rental, I can't imagine that would have been more than a fifth or sixth round pick, right? I mean, it's, it's they're not these like marquee names who are going to fetch this huge price. And I know Rick Spielman does love himself some late round picks, but I just don't know if that's uh, enough to say no, we're going to, you know, we're going to signal that we're kind of you know, punting, maybe is the wrong word, but the signal that we're in sell mode, you know, they already kind of did that with Ngakwe, even if they said some of it was fit. Uh, it clearly wouldn't have been fit if they were trading their starting left tackle or you know, starting free, you know, strong safety. Well, I think when you look at it too, even the, the comparisons, like Trent Williams goes for a, a third and a fifth, and that's like a seven-time Pro Bowl tackle who's not that much older than Riley Reed. So if you're looking to sell Riley Reef at that kind of deadline, I just can't yeah. imagine the offers they were getting would be, yeah, what you'd consider worth it. And then when you're 
potentially, I don't know if they're in evaluation mode with Cousins or if they've already made a decision on whether they're going to keep him or not beyond this year. But um, I don't know if, yeah, like we talked about before, I don't know if taking away assets from your $30 million quarterback at this point is a smart move. And so they're not going to do it, even though that seemed like they were considering cutting Reef right before the season. Um, well, I guess going into this, Ben, does it change your outlook at all for the last, what, nine games they've got here? They're two and five. The Detroit Lions are a team that they're not world beaters. They could be coming in here with Chase Daniel, Matthew Stafford's on the COVID list. Chase Daniel beat them last year. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't Chase Daniel beat uh, beat him like 13-3 or 20? Yeah. What was the final of that game? That I was actually, the game after which Stephon Diggs went AWOL. Yeah. I actually forgot about that. I actually <laughs> forgot that it was it was Harrison Smith who knocked out Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. 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 And Chase Daniel came in and they won. God, what was that score? Like 18 to 12? It was the ugliest. It was a low scoring game. It was yeah. 16 6, um, maybe. Wow. I'd forgot. So Chase Daniel, this would only be his sixth NFL start. And I forgot one of them. Well, no, because that wasn't a start that he played against the Vikings. Right. He came in right away. But either way, not a lot of uh, tread on those, uh, not a lot of wear, I should say, on those tires for Chase Daniel. So I can't imagine he's going to come in without Kenny Galladay, still with a hip injury. The Lions' defense is already bad. Now they don't have Trey Flowers, who's uh, put on injured reserve this week. Uh, this Detroit team is limping into U.S. Bank Stadium. And to me, they look in worse shape than the one in four Falcons when they came in, or 0 and 4, whatever they were back in October. Um, so, what you're saying is. I think there's a chance. There's a chance they could lose big. <laughs> there's a chance they could actually, Ben, string together uh, a winning streak, too. I, I do, too. I, I think. I, I would I will preface this by saying we have not seen any consistency from this team yet. Yeah, and yeah. all no, of this very good talk point. of well, they beat the Packers and now they're gonna go on a run. I think is somewhat driven by how much people around here love to beat the Packers, but it also I think needs to consider the fact that you you yes, you beat the Packers, but you beat the Packers without David Bakhtiari, without Aaron Jones. Um and in a situation where it was hard for the Packers best player to throw the ball. So if you can take that and the confidence that does come from a win like that and show some consistency, then the schedule certainly sets up in a way that you could make a run because it's the lions. And then it's the bears who, as we've talked about, they've, they've been tough on the Vikings at soldier field. Uh, the defense is going to give them trouble, but the bears have a lot of their own issues. Um, then it's the Cowboys, then Yuck. the Panthers, then the Jaguars, and mm-hmm. all three of those are in. Oh, did we lose you? Ben just, did Ben just freeze on us? Ben just froze, yeah. Uh-oh. Well, that's the first time that's ever happened during the Access Vikings podcast. How about that? Uh, to finish his sentence, all three of those are at home. Four of the next five are at home for the Vikings. It's, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm not going to say they're going to rip off five wins or even go four and one in that stretch, Mike, but I think it's a situation where they're set up to at least look a little differently coming out of that bye week than we all thought they were going to be. Cause we thought, honestly, I think everybody thought they'd be one and six, obviously. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, and really two and five is probably what you thought they would be at this point. It just would have been a win over Atlanta and a loss to the Packers. So you kind of swap those games out, but all along you looked at this and you thought, okay, yeah, the, that, that stretch of Lions, Bears, Cowboys early in the year didn't look like it was a, a layup, but it always was going to be at least a winnable game. And now with whoever's their quarterback, Donardo, I think is it Donofrio, Vincent D'Onofrio? No, 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 no. Now it's going to be Cooper, Cooper Rush. Oh, 
Well, whoever it is is not good. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It is Cooper Rush. Cooper well, Rush. Garrett, it's Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush. Those are great, great options, but uh, those are not. Yeah, made up so great. no. So you're looking at a lot. You were you were looking at a, a the, the the part of their schedule where they could maybe make up some ground, but it's it's a lot of ground. Ben, Ben, you uh, you cut out when we were just talking about uh, picking up your point that those three games are at home and including a Cowboys team that could be starting Cooper Rush at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, the power in my house went out for about half a second, which is enough to reset my internet. So uh, sure. that's what happened. So fun uh, little diversion here at the Gessling household on a Thursday afternoon. But yes, the schedule <laughs> is... Uh, favorable. So, you know, and they're talking about adding another couple of playoff teams. So maybe they get in, maybe they make a run. Mm, go down, still a, uh, the still a, Denver Nuggets. Still a stretch, right? Because they've still Kirk got Tampa, Bay. Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Who else good in the last four? That's it. Chicago. It? Chicago and Detroit again? Okay. Yeah, Chicago. yeah. I think Chicago's the one that this is the Detroit Lions week yeah. podcast, but Chicago's the one that I think I just I need to see them handle that kind of defensive front. I just think it's such a bad matchup for them, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, we heard some interesting comments this week <laughs> today from Everson Griffin. Everson Griffin, everybody expects him to be fired up after 10 years in Minnesota, um, returning for the first time. He was traded from Dallas to Detroit. Yeah. Uh, last week this is going to be his first game for the lions but they also just lost a starting defensive end so any kind of limitation the lions might put on everson might be limit or might be taken off and he might be playing a much bigger role because they're not going to have much uh many healthy bodies there at the end so they bring him in and we talked to him today and everson initially comes out and says that he doesn't want to say much about minnesota just kind of wants to keep it focused on the game his role so i'll talk about that and then one question about how fired up he's going to be, he just lets loose and basically says that he was um, basically slighted by what Mike Zimmer said. He said, I heard Mike Zimmer call me a good player, and I can pull up the actual transcript and read it. Um, Please do. He, yeah, he, he goes, um, he, goes uh, so he brought that up kind of in passing about Zimmer calling him a good player. And somebody asked, did he say that this week? He said, I was just looking around. I saw, he says, I'm going to be a good player. All right, he got a good player coming his way. He's going to see Sunday what he's got coming for him. And somebody said, what, a great player? And he said, yeah, they're <laughs> going to put some respect on my name. He's going to put respect on my name. That's all I'm saying. Like, he just wasn't a good coach to me. He was a great coach. He helped me improve, helped me grow. I don't ever talk bad about people. So for him to call me a good player, all right, I got something for him on Sunday. Oh, man. Yeah. Love it. You know, uh this game, this game looks boring, so it does need a subplot. That's good. The, I like the it. The funny thing about that is Everson saying, I don't ever talk bad about people. The greatest midweek Everson Griffin quote ever before this was when they were about to play the Lions. When yeah, he that's right. Greg Robinson lazy. Oh, he trashed him. <laughs> oh, he trashed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then probably went out and I mean they used to sack Matthew Stafford eight or nine. Didn't they sack him like nine times that game? Yeah, yeah. I'll never, I'll never forget that because we're standing in Winter Park. This is how I think how long ago it was, and we're in that Winter Park. We're in that tiny locker room, and I'm in a scrum. We're all standing. There's like 10, 12 of us around Everson, and it's at the point where it's like dying down. You know, everybody's asked what they got to ask, and I just throw out there, "Hey, what do you think about?" Because they had a new left tackle. I think Lions' left tackle went down, so Greg Robinson was going to step in. 
Ask him, Matt, what'd you think about him? It was going to get a stock answer. He's been asked this question a million times in his career. And he just lets loose and goes, this guy's lazy. He's lazy, man. I thought he was joking. So I started, <laughs> I started laughing. I could, I remember hearing it in my recorder. I'm giggling. And then he just, he's deadpan, just serious. And he's like, nope, he's just lazy. And just goes off about him. Uh, <laughs> I miss him as a media member. <laughs> Yeah, wasn't there a stretch there for a couple of weeks in a row where he was just in the habit of insulting whoever yeah. he was going to face? I remember that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. you know, take take all of this with a grain of salt. But, yeah, he added a little spice to this. And, you know, it, hey, I mean, in terms of division games in the year, I, I imagine most people are probably this way, where the two against the Packers are at the top of the list for the Vikings. And then the two against the Bears usually – they go down to Soldier Field and struggle, and then they get to see the Bears on New Year's Eve every year for the rest of time at U.S. Bank Stadium, apparently, although it's a week earlier this year. But it, it always seems like it's that. But the the two against the Packers and at least the one at Soldier Field, to me, are always the biggest one. They've had you know some big Week 17 games against the Bears in the last couple of years, certainly in 2018. The, the Lions games are always the ones that it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, they're in the Division Two. You know, yeah. it's a division game. Yeah, okay. But although I, you know, I say that, and they've had some big ones at, on Thanksgiving Day, some important matchups, but it, it just never feels like it has the same level of intrigue leading into the game. Everson Griffin has uh, done some things to change that. Yeah, Ben, I guess walk me through because, like, we you were there on Wednesday with Zimmer, presumably. And I, I didn't hear his comment, but it, reading it, it doesn't sound like a slight. It doesn't sound That's like Zimmer actually meant to to insult him no i don't think he did at all um i I think it was a throwaway comment that the question was asked um in an exchange that can often lead to less than uh verbose answers from mike zimmer um those who watch these uh press conferences or have paid much attention know what i'm talking about um but yeah that the question was asked um and Zimmer kind of just trying to was mostly trying to throw cold water on the Everson Griffin coming back to town revenge right. game narrative and said, yeah, he's a good player. And you know, I hope I wish him the best, nothing it just except when he plays us. And there, you know, there's a, a little bit between those two guys the last year or so. There were some things that Everson got a little tired of here. Um, I don't think, that was motivated by that though. I, I think it was just we're trying to throw, throw cold water on the subject and then Everson saw it and, and uh, <laughs> found a way to throw something other than cold water on the subject. Well, this, I guess, I guess explain his exit though, in the sense that, you know, they, they wanted to bring him back up until he basically left for Dallas in August. Um, yep. Do you think any of his exit was feeding in? Cause it sounded like a guy who was mad at more than just Mike Zimmer saying the word good instead of great. Yeah, I like uh, like I say, I, there was some there were some things I think that he was ready to play for a different coach. I I do think he was kind of at the point where, and he had benefited a lot from Mike Zimmer and and Andre Patterson certainly. I mean, they made him into you know he he went from a guy that had a lot of talent to a, a Pro Bowl player because of his time with that coaching staff and, and certainly he has a lot of talent too, but it came out with that coaching staff. So I, he's made a lot of money because of that. And 
I think would be the first to say what they did for him. But I do think towards the end of his time here, he was a little bit feeling stifled, maybe um, not perhaps listened to as a leader. I, I know there were a couple of things last year where he would kind of go and say, Hey, this is a little bit of the vibe in the locker room. And it wasn't always received with perhaps the level of thoughtfulness or, or, interest in what he had to bring to the table that he maybe thought he should have had as a guy that had been here as long as he had and been a captain. I mean, I, I think there was some of that. And I, I think um, the way they practiced was starting to, I mean, cause he had gotten very sort of conscientious about his body and there'd been some back and forth about, you know, are you going to play through this? And, and cause he had a, like an injury in a mini camp, I think that became a point of contention and, so there's some of that stuff that I think played into it that just – I don't think anything got bitter or anything like that. I think it was just probably when he got done, it was, yeah, I'm ready to go out and see something else. Yeah, and I should add that Everson sounded like, to me at least, over the Zoom, as much as we can tell these things, you know, um, however many miles away, um, he sounded hurt. He sounded um, like a guy who, you know, maybe it was more than the comment or maybe it was just that. But – every question afterward was not even about that. And he kept bringing it back toward the comment that Zimmer made. And so one of the questions that he was asked today was his thoughts about just fitting in with the Lions defense. Cause he'd only practiced for one week um, with Detroit. And he just said, I, um, I noticed how detail oriented they are here. It reminds me of coach Zimmer, his great defense that we had. They're very detail oriented. They're going to put in the time they want to win. They're going to have all the extra tendencies for you. And they're going to make sure you're on point. And then he goes on to talk up the coaching staff in Detroit, but then ends it with, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be fun on Sunday. I'm going to come out and be a great player. And I'm going to come out and dominate and do that because I'm just a good player. Right. Man. So he, yeah. he, he wanted to make a point every well, time he got asked a question and like the Detroit PR couldn't cut the interview off fast enough. There's just like, Nope. <laughs> you get players that will just use anything right yeah. to get themselves you, Probably this year more than any, you need something to get yourself up for a game in an empty stadium. So if that's if that's what he's, if that's what Everson Griffin needs, that's what Everson Griffin. Needs. That's probably a fair way to go about it. And he's not <laughs> the only one returning. We've got Adrian Peterson coming back. <laughs> Adrian's still starting uh, for the Detroit Lions, although DeAndre Swift, the rookie, has got a bigger role now at this point in the season. And then J. Ron Curse is playing. Listen, a small don't forget role. that one. Yeah, J. Ron Curse is playing a small role, and J. Ron made. Uh, did not mince words on his way out in terms of just tweeting. I don't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He got asked about, do you want to come back? And he just wrote, no. Nah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say all three of those players did. I mean, there were some tensions. Uh, there was an area of grievances, perhaps. Um, best of us. Best of us fashion on the way out. I, I, I wouldn't say that any of those three left perfectly. I, and I don't know how often a, a player leaves perfectly after being somewhere for 10 years in the case of Peterson and, and Griffin, but yeah, there, there's a little bit of uh, extra sauce on, I think things for all three of those guys. So who, who um, would, who would yeah. Griffin line up primarily against? Would it be O'Neill or Reef? Do you think? Well, I believe right in, it'd be a brief. Yeah, I, I believe that if it's going to be replacing Trey Flowers, it's probably going to be on that right side against Riley Reef. Um, I'm, I would wonder if they're just going to let Everson do whatever he'd like to, in this <laughs> <game>. <laughs> just the way that he seems so motivated. 
Uh, I always have to highlight. I do that the thing for the paper on Sundays where you predict the game and look at you know key matchups and stuff. Uh, that will be the the top of the list is Everson Griffin versus Riley Reef because yeah, there's a fair amount of intrigue and yeah. uh, now he's tweeting. And these guys have gone against each other a lot. And you're saying Everson's tweeting yeah. right now? He's so, tweeting. Um, yes. Yeah, so Sam Ekstrom from from Zone Coverage was tweeting out uh, things about the press conference uh, about Griffin's <laughs> quotes, and and uh, he you know tweeted out just kind of the summary of things, and um, he's and then he added for context, and I agree with this what Sam said. I don't. I don't think Zimmer's ever been a big nostalgia or, or reflection guy. I mean, here's his quote on Adrian this week. Yeah. I don't think he's changed much at all. It's the same when he was in new Orleans and Washington, he runs physical, violent, good burst to the perimeter uh, to which Everson responded. I gave everything for that team. So yes, I expect more. <laughs> so he's not done. Nope. He's not done. Oh, this is great. a little bit like, uh, I mean, Riley Reef. last dance where Jordan finds a slight and it's uh, or, yeah, poor Riley Reef. He's like, come coming off like his best game of the year. He had like a 90 PFF grade or something. He's like a top 10 tackle. And now he's got a, he's got a fired up, uh, former teammate coming at him for 50 never went BJ so. Armstrong on it and uh, <laughs> Jordan come ready to come get him, you know, but Ben, isn't this in my, I mean, you know, too, um, haven't seen Everson enough around the Vikings for so long. This is the kind of stuff they liked about him. And I guess we heard Harrison. Yeah. I was reading Harrison's comments today from yesterday, uh, this week. And Harrison was talking about like, I think, or no, no, no. Was it Adam? I can't remember. One of the, one of the teammates mentioned like you need guys that have that edge to them, that kind of nasty, like you need to have guys that come out there and, and uh, play with that. And right now I don't, I mean, I'm not saying the Vikings defense is losing because they're not nasty enough, but I don't think they really have that kind of edge. And and I think that's this edge that Everson's kind of having and going on Twitter and tweeting, like that's why they like it. Well, and it's funny because Andre Patterson got asked about this today too, about the Everson Griffin sort of effect on the defense. And he said, yeah, I think all that stuff's overrated, all the, the hooting and hollering and you can do that in a huddle, but that stuff is it, it's in the movies, but the, the real games aren't like that okay uh, it's in the movies it's also in your playoff promos from last year yeah. they, that whole if you want it go get it thing was everywhere and i think yes it's marketing but i've also talked to people that said that was the heartbeat of that defense and there were people in that building that were worried after he left that who's going to be the guy that brings the intensity up on that defense especially when you have this many young guys I, I do think there is something to that. I mean, you know, Andre Patterson probably in different contexts would see it differently, but I, I, I know there are people that feel like, Hey, um, we need some of that on this, in this group. Yeah. We, we hear players enough mention it. So if the players think it matters, then it does. Cause that's all that matters, right? They're the ones who right. are out there. They're the right. ones. Who... All right. Welcome back. Thanks, everybody, for joining on uh, Strip Sports Live. In addition to listening to the Access Vikings podcast, Michael Rand here, Andrew Kramer, Ben Gessling. we got a bunch of your good questions to get to. Andrew, do you have one teed up before I get to the one I like the best? We do. Neil asks, is that the one you were going to go with? No, go I, I like this. I like this one. Neil was asking, what's preferable? Seven and nine, and therefore some promise from the youngsters and decent so stuff. So what's going to happen? From Kirk Cousins. Or three and thirteen in the high draft pick, Mike. What's better? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, I, 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 I really have a dislike for like tanking and intentional losing and, you know, rooting for rooting for losses. Um, and I do, I do think here's the thing, like you have a fondness for loud keyboard noises. I, Loud for loud what? Keyboard noise. Loud keyboard noises. It's Lions Week, so we're talking about loud typing. That's a good callback. I forgot about that. That's a deep I cut. But I was just bringing up. Uh, I was just bringing up uh, my, my Twitter screen. Um, no, no it's it's, it allowed me to bring the uh, the manner pull up. Wait, was it the loud typing on Mike Rossi was, slouching? That's a good was one. it Patricia? Right? Yeah, it's Patricia. Patricia yeah. and Mike Rossi from ESPN, and then yeah. Zimmer. I uh, got mad about somebody typing too loudly. Typing. That was so good. I love it. Um, as I was typing loudly, I was thinking, um, you know, I guess I probably prefer seven and nine. Um, once you go three and 13, it's kind of, then you, you have a hard time imagining like you're going to be good anytime soon. Like three and 13 means you kind of bottomed out. That's like two, you know, I guess the exception is Vikings went three and 13 in 2011 and the next day they went 10 and six made the playoffs. But, you know, so there, there can be exceptions to bring things around for a season quickly, but you know, here's two things. One, I think that would, that would represent a level of bottoming out that I don't think that would be good for the, their current roster composition. And two, if they are kind of in a rebuild where it might not make sense in 2021 to be carrying a quarterback with a really, really big cap number, um, the way to trade him this offseason is probably not coming off a 3-13 and 13 season where he played really poorly. It's probably coming off a season where he at least reestablished the things he did well last year. Um, so I think, you know, for a couple of different reasons, I think you're preferring that even if it takes you out of the you know conversation for one of those real high quarterback draft choices that's a good point too because i guess the what you're thinking is along the lines of going seven and nine you're hoping if you're the vikings that yeah you're seeing the improvement from jeff gladney you're seeing the improvement from uh the interior offensive line is it ezra cleveland kind of coming to form like you can't at least go near 500 and not have those young guys take those steps forward as you're talking about i think those are the kind of necessary steps you need to see because at, unless they lost a bunch of one score games. Yeah. Three and 13's about as bad as it gets in the NFL. So I don't know, Ben, what do you think? Well, I think at this point, I mean, if they're going to be three and 13. They're going to win one more game. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if you finish the year on a one and eight stretch, I mean, Bender. That, yeah. yeah, that that's not, um, I don't think that's going to do anybody a lot of good. I mean, it's not going to give you any feeling that you're moving toward a quick rebuild or reboot next year. I, I mean, seven and nine puts you in a bad spot to get a quarterback, but I, I don't think they're thinking that way. I just no. I don't think that that's their focus at the moment. I, I, I think they still very much feel like we can make this work with the group we have. And it's also not going to be a, as we've talked about, it's not going to be a, a setting right now where anybody's going to be terribly interested in bottoming out and reloading the whole thing with a new quarterback because this is not an administration that probably either has the time or the patience for that. So, yeah, I I, I think the idea that they're going to be able to, you know, tank for Trevor at this point is probably not 
terribly likely if it ever was. I think they're going to end up. I, yeah, I think they're going to end up six and ten, seven and nine, and then you probably run it back again. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, you know those corners. You can get a good one at fourteen overall. So, all right, Mike, what do you think? <laughs> Just one more. We got a Just new one more. We got a new question. Trade back and still get a Just number one at twenty, and then day three spending spree is on. Um, because we got a couple Ezra Cleveland questions, so maybe we can kind of combine them into two. Let me start with this one. Josh wants to know when Elfline is healthy again, which I guess is not a given, but if and when he's healthy, who sits? Him, Ezra Cleveland, or uh, Dozier? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I guess I think that's interesting just because I don't know if you can write off them wanting Dakota Dozier to be part of this group long-term and not necessarily as a starter, but like he could evolve into that like Joe Berger type that they've kind of been looking for. And if they feel like he's taken that kind of step this year, I don't know, Ben, is it possible they've given up on elf line and they would just keep their current lineup? I, yeah, I think that's certainly possible. I, it would be a little hard for me to imagine that they would just kind of toss the thing out after they played the way they did. Except that line played really well on Sunday. Um, they, you know, they got into the type of a game where they could focus on the thing that they do the best, which is not pass protection. It is having all these nimble linemen get out on zone blocks and cut like we saw on the screen or, you know, being able to get Packers defenders going laterally. And then you create cutback lanes. And we saw that all day. I mean, that's what this line does well and players they have cultivated like Brian O'Neill, like Garrett Bradbury, like Ezra Cleveland. And also like Pat Elfline, uh, it hasn't worked out as well with Elfline, but the, the players they've tried to bring in are the players that played the way that they did on Sunday. So it would be hard for me to imagine that they're going to just toss that out when it seemed like more so on Sunday than any game this year, they found something that worked. So yeah, I tend to think that they'll keep it the way it is. Um, you know, maybe you would at some point take a look at Cleveland at left tackle, but yeah. it's a little hard to just toss him there right away without a lot of work there. So yeah, I, I, I guess I tend to think for now, they're probably going to say throw with the way it's been, if it's been working. Yeah. Cause Dakota's uh, going to be a free agent as is Pat Elfline um, out of those three, Ezra's the only one you've got long-term. And so if you want to keep seeing Dakota in that spot and set him up for another contract, he's only 29 years old. He's got years ahead of him where he can be a serviceable backup because he can play so many different spots. And if you don't think Pat Elfline is going to sell you in nine games or eight games or whatever it is that he comes back for, maybe he's just your backup that you keep on the roster and you start the other two guys. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they choose to do because it will speak to their long-term outlook. And if they, the move I wouldn't understand them making is sitting Cleveland. I wouldn't understand that at all. That's what I was going to say. I, I can't imagine him, can't imagine him coming out of the lineup if he's healthy, just because even if he regresses, doesn't have the level of play that he did against the Packers, you still want to get him games. You still want to see what he can do this year. Yeah. Yeah. So um, all right, let's get to some more questions here. Um, ben, do you got one? No? Uh, I have not seen them yet. I let me give me. Let's tap the answer for a second here. Give me a yeah, second. I got. I, I got, got one. Go ahead. Um, Skyler asks, "Do you believe we'll draft a quarterback round one? Oh, and then the caveat: if Mike Zimmer stays, so will Mike no. Zimmer, Mike Zimmer, coach Vikings team, be going QB round one in uh, April? I do not see that happening. No. 
not, I mean, not if Cousins is here. I mean, if you yeah. trade Cousins to San Francisco, um, I suppose. Like, like my fever dream. Yeah, yeah. I think Bill Barnwell just wrote about that too. He we did. Could, it was a weird week for speculative uh, Cousins trades to San Francisco. People connecting dots. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has been very complimentary, but Matt Ryan could also be available as well after the season. So, yeah, we can have either one of those guys. I remember we brought that up, I think, after their 0-3 start and just saying, because at the point, I think Jimmy Garoppolo hadn't looked great. And, hey, you know, why not? And and I think, I don't know, I don't think there's a chance um, necessarily of, of Kirk Cousins playing his way out of Kyle Shanahan's favor. But if Kyle Shanahan is looking around the league, yeah, maybe Matt Ryan's a better option for him. So, you know, um, I just, I don't know in terms of drafting a quarterback, Ben, it's going to have to it's going to have to come down to them moving on from Kirk. As you said, I don't think you're going to see a situation where they have Kirk as some kind of 30, $40 million placeholder for a a young quarterback. And as you've said, every indication they've given, um, I know they traded Ngakwe, but every indication they've given has been, Hey, we like enough of what we have here. Mm -hmm. And right now it seems to include the quarterback in their eyes. Yeah, and the question with that is always going to be, are they evaluating it correctly or are they evaluating it through the lens of this is what we hope happens or this is what we think we need to project? Um, and there's, I think there's always that question. But, yeah, I, they have not sent a ton of signals that we're going to do any kind of a blow it up and start over. So, yeah, I don't see that happening. I mean, in terms of the, the round one quarterback, and I, he adds to his question, my dream is Eric Bieniemy and, and Trey Lance. I, yeah, I mean, maybe, but um, you, I think you need a new coach for that to, to, for that to happen. Well, with that, Matt asks, is there a scenario where Rick Spielman stays and Mike Zimmer is let go or vice versa? Or if they make any kind of change, would it be both of them um, staying or going? Boy, I, I he adds, yeah. and Ben, let me cut you off quick because he adds something that you've mentioned before and that, hey, he says, I like Zimmer as a coach, but um, he's given up on the front office putting together a competent O-line and quarterback combo. And those are the decisions that we often talk about. Yeah, no, and that would be the thing that if you were going to fire Rick Spielman, that you would have to pin on him. It's the, the, the fact that you haven't solved the quarterback thing and they've managed around it i guess in the sense that they've made the playoffs with three different quarterbacks in six years with mike zimmer they had a different quarterback every time they've gone to the playoffs um very denny green like there i guess but yeah could have been fourth too if bradford had kept up that five and oh season yeah Yeah, i guess denny did it just about every year with a different quarterback went to the playoffs but um they've managed around that but i think the, the question came up last week of I think we got talking about Ponder and Cousins and the fact that Spielman has made both of those decisions is, and he's still here. I, I think you'd have to say if it, if it goes South, that is ultimately the legacy of why for all of the aggressive drafts and for shrewd decisions like picking Daniel Hunter, um, Stefan Diggs, uh, trading back in for Harrison Smith, you know, a lot of those things, Eric Kendricks in that 2015 draft, I mean, great 2015 draft for, for all of that, the, the inability to solve the most important position in sports or the inability or for a while. And by my life's unwillingness to put a decent line in front of him, it has to be a big part of it. So I could see it where 
Zimmer goes and Spielman stays, but I also I ultimately think if it all, if it all goes bad to that point, the quarterback is going to have a lot to say about it. So um, I could also see a scenario where Zimmer stays and Spielman goes. I've heard that talked about as well. I think that's a little hard to believe because then you have to bring in a new GM and tell him he can't pick his coach. But um, I mean, maybe it gets weird, and or maybe it's just George Payton. I guess that's just it. I was going to say there could be the bridge between we're talking about a roster where they say they like enough of what they have. Maybe they view the front office and the coaching staff that way where it's like, we'd like enough of it. Maybe we just need to make a change or two here or there. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend, if I'm betting right now, I'm betting that this whole thing stays in place. Um, Yeah. With absent a three and 13, four and 12 season. I, I don't think we're going to see, anybody lose their jobs over this yeah and and mike if they keep putting together defensive showings like i know the 40 mile an hour wins helped but if they keep putting showings like that where they're keeping the water level low enough and and games like green bay and and this young defense where you've got to interchange guys so much um if they keep doing that then yeah it's gonna be hard for people to say mike zimmer should lose his job how how far back do we say spielman goes with in terms of like i know his title has changed like he's always been here since like 06 but when do we say like he really took over he became the gm before the 2012 season so that was when he was promoted and given full control of the roster now he's had control of the draft i think since i think 07 i think adrian was his first pick um so he's done like 14 drafts but uh boy it's a lot i mean you sit there and say it out loud but yeah 2012 would have been his first year with full control who fired childress Whose decision was that? Uh, it would have been the Wilfs, I think. Was that a Wilfs decision? Of authority time frame where it would have been Rick and Rob Brzezinski and Brad Childress, I think, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that must have come from higher. So really, he's only fired one coach and it was an interim. Not even that. He would not even say yeah. he did that. He, he tried to make that very clear when they fired Leslie Frazier that it was not his hire Okay. Um, yeah. He also wanted to make that part clear that Leslie Frazier was not his hire because he was not a fan yeah. of that decision. Uh, but he wanted to make it clear it was not his decision to fire Leslie Frazier because the Wilfs had hired Leslie Frazier. Now, was Rick Spielman whispering in their ear about what he wanted to see done? Absolutely. But um, I, he would say that he has not fired a coach, I think, if you mm-hmm. ask him that question. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see if that stays the same. Uh, check back in next week, or actually after Sunday's game, excuse me, um, right after the Vikings play the Lions at U.S. Bank Stadium. We will have all the coverage from that on StarTribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast.